Uh, so come on in and grab a seat. I'm timing myself because I know many guys want to get you out of here on time. I, I appreciate your interest in being here. We're going to hand out a little outline that's going to talk about what I'm going to talk about. And uh, if you don't have the book, you don't need that for what I'm about to say. In some ways, you don't even need the book to do the one-on-one studies. If someone in your group, maybe a leader has read it, that'll be helpful. But, uh, but you don't even totally have to do that. <clears throat> it's really simple. After you hear what I'm going to say in the next 30 minutes, you go, wow, that's really simple. Why didn't you just email me this? Uh, because hopefully I'll have a couple of illustrations that will be, uh, that'll be helpful for you. So we're handing those out. Do you guys need some up here? Can some, oh, here's Tim. I'm sorry. I just preached about being patient, and then I'm like, come on, Tim. What are you doing? <laughs> Runs the conference of a lifetime, the men's conference, and I'm barking at him because the outlines are 10 seconds too late. Oh. Uh, okay, this is the book. I'll say this while the outlines are coming out. This is the book. It's called One-to-One Bible Reading, A Simple Guide for Every Christian by David Helm, who is a pastor uh, in Chicago. And you can read his story in here. He just talks about how they began to get together in pairs or trios in their church and just do Bible study together and how that promoted discipleship. If a disciple is one who follows Christ uh, as a learner, as a student, and with our whole lives, uh, then it is the Bible that equips us to, uh, in our discipleship to follow the Lord. So he talks about how they, how they did that in their church. So I'm going to refer to a few places in the book in this, um, but, uh, and then I'm going to have a little bit of a, a take on how we're hoping to do this at Grace Church. So it says one-to-one Bible studies. I just did the simple who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who? Anyone is a candidate to join you in a one-to-one Bible reading. Now, he talks about it's compelling in here. He's got a whole chapter of a testimony about how a scientist came to Christ because he met with him for one-to-one Bible reading, and the guy just got exposed to the Bible. So you could do this with an unbeliever. You could do it with a new believer. You could do it with a struggling believer. Or you could do it with a very mature believer, a leader, or someone who's uh, leading others in Bible studies, whatever. So it's, it's designed for two or three people. Now, I put in an outline here. Our goal, um, you can do obviously what you want, but our goal in launching these in the, in the church, and the reason I'm doing this kind of and saying, hey, here's what we want to do as a church with this, is because we want to use this to facilitate a stronger uh, community around the Word in our church. So we recommend this first time through, and maybe you'll do multiple studies in the future. Some of us will, I think. But this first time through, we'd recommend looking for a partner or two. Uh, and having done a, I've done these with two different guys now. Uh, I can think a partner pair is really good. I could see how a trio is good. Uh, but a fourth person, as you get bigger, I think it'll lose some of the dynamic. Um, but look for a partner or two, same gender, uh, in your community group. That's where I would start. Um, So this is a person you're already with, you already see. I'd recommend finding someone in your group. But if there's someone maybe in the church that because of where they live or because of their schedule, you'd be more accessible to meet with them, then find someone outside of your group. A good example would be you're a guy and you work in Addison or you work McKinney or you work downtown and there's three other guys that work right by you from the church they're not in your community group and you could meet Fridays at lunch go for it. That would be fantastic. You'd connect. So we're saying I'd start with the community group, but if there's, uh, or maybe you, there's ladies, there's three ladies that have kids the same age. You go to the plague, they go to the playground together. They live in your neighborhood and you drive 
10 miles that way to community group and everybody lives over there. Well, then maybe that would make more sense. So those examples. But we'd start with the community group because I think one of the things we hope this begins to help us accomplish as a church is as we've looked, we said there's kind of three levels of relationship. There's Sunday morning, we all gather. There's community group, which is ideally 12, 18 people. Sometimes they're bigger, sometimes they're smaller. And then what's the subset of that? We feel like there's something there that we need in the church, that little more personal connection where you can share your life, not with 18, uh, but with one or two, and you're following the Lord in discipleship together. So we hope that this will make that kind of smaller connection. And if we're doing this within our groups, it's going to make our, sm- our community groups much smaller. Because I may not know, I may not have studied closely with everybody, but I have a couple people. And if several of us have done that in trios in the group, it's going to affect our whole small group. And it's ultimately going to affect the culture of our church. So those are the, those are the, uh, those are the things. So that's the first time through. Now maybe you go through and you do a second one. You invite your unbelieving neighbor, your unbelieving co worker, uh, a new, so there, maybe there's other ways to do it. But the first time we're saying, this is what we'd recommend. What is it? Well, I gave you a quote there from page 11 of his book. Reading one-to-one is a variation of that most central Christian activity, reading the Bible, but done in the context of reading with someone. It is something a Christian does with another person on a regular basis for a mutually agreed upon length of time with the intention of reading through and discussing a book or, or part of a book of the Bible. So if this isn't clear, you could read this book and get some guidelines, but I've, I've done, um, <clears throat> like I said, I'm in my second study with a guy in the church, and we, don't, we never look at this. I mean, sometimes we'll refer back, what are we supposed to do? But we don't look at this all. So this is a guide, but the whole study is done in the Bible. It's not a study of this book. It's a study of the book of a Bible. It's an actual Bible study. So that's what he explains his plan is. When do you do it? Well, uh, having a little experience with this, uh, I would say, and the other pastors are doing this as well, we kind of did some pilot groups, um, and it seems to us that weekly's best, if ideal. That didn't make sense. It's ideal to meet weekly, is what I'm saying. For continuity and study, maybe you could meet every other week, twice a month, but any more than that, and you just lose the rhythm of, of, of what you're going through. So really, I, I think weekly is best. Um, Maybe it works for you to do it every other week, and that's really what works. Uh, maybe you are, um, if you did it every other week, maybe you, you're married and you commit a night of the week. We commit, uh, you know, Tuesday night, or we go to, let's say, say you go to Wednesday night uh, community group. Maybe you take the off Wednesdays and meet with somebody, and then maybe your spouse meets another night and you watch the kids back and forth. I, I don't know. You can do it around the rhythm of your schedule. But ideally, weekly is good. And I think a typical study, depending on how you do it, probably lasts 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, you can pray and talk for three hours. Um, I don't know that you could do a lot in less than 60 minutes the way this is lined out. Um, but you could. You could certainly go longer. Where do you do it? I mean, you're thinking, I'm staying after church and missing lunch to ask, where do I do a Bible study? Uh, he says this in his book, and I thought, that's a nice thought. He says you should do it in a private, quiet place. Uh, the first one I went through with a guy in our church, we met in a coffee shop. And uh, there was always a lot of stuff going around, so we weren't praying together because, I mean, maybe we had fear of man. It's just a little different to be you're in a coffee shop and you're, you know, it's a little different. Uh, and then one time a guy started talking to us at the coffee shop for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And that was the end of our time. So we just found like, you know, because we were so incredibly popular, people wanted to walk, strangers wanted to talk to us and we didn't want to pray in public. Just kidding. We, I've done mine all now in, in, at, uh, in a private place so that you can pray together in particular. 
Why do it? But I would say, I'd rather do the study and either pray in public or do the study and not pray together. I'd rather do that and do it at a restaurant at lunch when you're at work than not do it. Absolutely. Um, So, or pray briefly. That'd be my recommendation. Um, And I'd rather have the distractions than not do it, is what I'm trying to say. Why do it? Page 16, he says, so why read the Bible one-on-one with another person? We do so because of our convictions about the power of God's Word. When people are exposed to it, they find salvation in Christ, they are sanctified in faith, they are trained for effective ministry, and they find community in a web of relationships that are unlike any other the world has to offer. I think it's a great point he's making here, that when we gather with other Christians, it's not just that we go to the same church, or we have some of the same interests, or we have some of the same doctrinal bents. When we engage the Scripture together, something happens in our life. We really grow. We really know one another as we hear and study and apply and open up our lives together. Something actually happens in us. So why we want to do that is part of that three levels I said, Sunday morning, smaller group, and then coming up with something that could organically in the life of the church uh, help us to grow uh, with a friend or two in the Lord uh, around the Scripture. So that's, that's kind of the why. He's got some very motivating examples in the book that I, I think it's worth I think it's, it's a very easy read. I think it's worth it. How do you do it? Well, again, this is so simple. I'm almost apologizing for it, but I, I, I really did think this through. He talks about it. We talked about it as a pastoral team and went over this together. But here, here's what I would do. I would pray about a partner or two with whom you could meet. Seriously, I would say, Lord, I believe if I want to do this, that you're going to, there's someone that maybe we would do this together that would be edifying. And I, I'm not sure who that is. I want to pray, Lord. I'm not saying there's one person, or, but I'm just saying, Lord, help me. How should I think about this? We bring that before the Lord. I think that's important. Uh, and then invite someone to meet. Maybe it's someone in your group, like I said. Uh, don't be disappointed if they already have a partner or are unable to meet. Uh, if, they're, if they're unable, ask someone else. I mean, so maybe you go to them, they've already got a date to the prom. That's okay. There's other people. Uh, then you know I prayed and the Lord doesn't want me to do a study with them right now because they don't have enough time or they're already doing a study. That's fine. Don't feel left out. Don't feel disregarded. Don't feel, oh, they don't like me. Uh, just realize that not everybody can do four groups. Everybody should try to do one. And if you're already doing one, Maybe you do it in the future, but ask someone else. And if you don't know who to talk to, maybe ask your community group leader or your community group leader's wife. Uh, Maybe you say, is there someone I could reach out to? Is there someone that's looking for a group? I'm looking to do a pair or a trio. Is there someone you'd recommend? They may know what's going on in the group. Maybe you're new to the church and you're not in a community group, so we can help you get in a community group. There's some guidelines for those out there. But if you're not in a community group, you could go to the Connect Center And one of the people at the Connect Center could help you find someone uh, to match up with. So if you're new, you could still do it. So pray about it. Invite someone. Make a plan. Once you meet with them, talk to them. Say, when do you want to meet? Where do you want to meet? You've got to come up with how are we going to do this. Uh, The biggest decision once you have someone to work with is to decide what book of the Bible you will study. Chapters 9 and 10 are very good about this. And um, I've read Bible study books uh, over the years, but he does a very good job, and I'm going to flesh this out in a minute. He does a very good job uh, helping, um, helping you uh, uh, 
ask questions of the text based on the genre of the text. So he would have a different guideline for studying a gospel than studying a book of wisdom in the Old Testament versus studying a prophetic book versus studying an epistle. He'd have a slightly different approach of the questions you would ask, which is helpful because sometimes people just do a generic, do these, ask these four questions. His is a little bit more tailored, which I think is helpful. So, but finding a book you want to study, part of that may be how long you want to meet together. This has an ending which I think is also a good thing. If it's going really bad, it's four weeks, folks. We can make it. I don't think it's going to go bad. I think it's going to go great. It's four weeks. It's six weeks. It's eight weeks. You're not getting married unless you're doing this with your spouse. Then it's forever. But uh, you know what I'm saying. So maybe you say, we want to make a commitment for the next six weeks. Well, if it's the next six weeks, don't do the Gospel of Mark. He has a study in here lined out for the Gospel of Mark. That is it 16 weeks, Pete? You're doing it, right? Eight or 16 weeks. So if you've got four weeks, you might want to do the book of Philippians. Um, You might want to do the book of Colossians. If you've got eight weeks, you want to do it, you might be able to do something. uh, If you've got three months, man, you might go through the book of Romans. That'd be incredible, something like that. Uh, So anyway, see how long you want to meet, and that may determine. And he gives you examples in here. This is how I'd break down this book, and here's how long I would spend on studying it. Then once you decide what book you want to do, he gives you two methods in here that you will use. One is that you could use, and that's in chapter 8. So you could read chapter 8. If I was going to read one chapter before I did this, I'd probably read chapter 8. He gives what he calls the Swedish method, and he has three icons for it. He has a light bulb, a question mark, and an arrow. And he says you read the text, um, and uh, then you basically... Uh, you know, first of all, ask, uh, is there something that shines through, light bulb, that I didn't know, that stands out? What stands out to me? Um, And so the way I've done this with some guys, the way we've done it is we've read the text out loud. He talks about that. So we've prayed. We've read the text out loud, split it up, each read the text out loud, and then went through this process, actually have done it live, where we came unprepared, and we did that. We had, okay, first of all, let's read it back through, write down one to three things, he recommends, one to three things that stood out to you that you didn't know about the text. And so we break, we're doing our writing, then we share that. Then we do the next thing. Look through the text, read it again, and find something that you don't understand, that if you could ask the author, what did you mean, you'd ask him. So we'd write down, what are some questions? What are some things we understand, don't understand? We'd be writing in the coffee shop, the office, whatever, write it down, and then say, okay, what did you get? And we talk. Sometimes one of us would have an answer that the other didn't know, so we're kind of helping each other. And then the arrow, how are you going to kind of take this with you, personal application? So then we right, we're write down, we've done it live, we're right there doing it, how do I want to apply, how am I going to do this? And then we talk through, here's how I want to apply this, and then we help each other. Well, yeah, well, tell me about that. So maybe it's something in our family, something in our marriage, something in our job. This is where I think the Lord wants to help me grow and what this text says uh, to me about um, how he wants to change me and then write that down and then pray that we could, the Lord would help us. So that's one, that's a very simple, super simple, a light bulb, a question mark, an arrow, he writes down. Another, and this is really unfortunate in my mind, he calls it the coma method, which when I think about Bible study and I think about coma, uh, I, I it just, I think those aren't the same, but uh, anyway, because we're trying to awaken <laughs> when we study the Bible. But uh, you've heard this different way. Some people use soap as an, as a, uh, an acrostic, uh, but he uses coma, context, observation, meaning, and application. 
So uh, what is the, the, something very good about this book, as I mentioned earlier? He will show you how, to, how he recommends uh, asking questions about the context of the passage. Then what do you observe in it? Then from what you observe, what does it mean? And then how will I apply it? What he does in Appendix 2 is he takes all the genres of biblical literature. So he says, if, I, if you're doing an Old Testament historical book, here are three context questions you would want to ask about that. Here's three observation questions. Here's three meaning questions. Here's three application questions. And he would do it a little bit different, not totally, but a little bit different for a gospel or a work of prophecy. And if you've never done anything like this, like I wouldn't start with the book of Revelation. I'd start with something that you're kind of familiar with that would be easier. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't start with probably a a prophetic book unless it was a simple Old Testament book like maybe Habakkuk or or, uh, Haggai is easy to understand, something that's a little simpler perhaps. Um, And on this method, in Appendix 2, it's in there. Or you can go to MatthiasMedia.com. They publish the book. You can click on the one-to-one, and he has a PDF of all of his question sheets for the genres. And you can print them out, and then you can answer the questions on the sheet. You could do it each week and collate them, and when you're done, you'd have a notebook of study through a book, which would be powerful. So uh, that's, that, that, that is one of the unique contributions of his book uh, that I think is good. So you can get that at Matthias Media. It's in your outline there. So... Decide which method you want to do. One is easier. The first one's a little simpler. The other one's a little more involved. And then decide if you will prepare ahead of time or do a live study. By that, I mean, if you did the coma sheets, would you fill them out and do a Bible study ahead of time and then come and share? Or would you do what I just described? Would you read it and do it live in your living room? So each break, you know, as long as you don't mind sitting in silence with a friend or two, would you do it there? I think there's some advantages to both. The advantages, and I've done them both, the advantages to the prepared study is this. You'll dig deeper if you come prepared on a passage and are familiar with its content. You're going to be able to go deeper in the text if you've already done work on it, kind of like the preparing your heart illustration today. Um, A less experienced person may feel more comfortable not having to think on their feet. So if you're a little more experienced and someone's a little less experienced... Uh, that person, if you're coming and I've got a live, oh, what's the meaning? Uh, what's the light bulb? I don't even know what an arrow, what? They may just feel a little, if there's two people they don't know, intimidated. But if they could on their own take their time, think it through, and all that kind of stuff, they might be more comfortable. Uh, it's a more efficient use of your time because you've already done the groundwork. So if you've already done the groundwork, we can get down to business and probably have a 60-minute productive, if you're a guy on your lunch break, um, or if you're a lady during the kid's nap time, and wow, we got a window here. It's 60 minutes. You can be more productive, I think, if you've already done the groundwork and you're just coming to discuss it. Um, so that would be an, uh, an event, uh, a, a, um, a benefit. And then also you'll have more time for application. Application is always going to be at the end. You can't apply if you don't understand the context. And if you don't understand the meaning of the text, you can't, bibli- you can't apply it accurately. You're just going to come up, well, I read that and I don't know, but this is what I think I'm going to do. Or here's what it means to me, as opposed to what does it really mean to its original readers? Uh, what do I observe? How does that apply to me? And what I found in the studies I've done is if, I've done it with guys, obviously, uh, who are on a work schedule, and, I'm, and I am too. And if we have to finish at a certain time, sometimes that's the piece that gets cut off, is you have less time for application. But if the study of the Bible is not only to, for us to learn individually, but to b- grow in fellowship and to be transformed, 
We have to focus on the application. We can't just skirt that. So if you do it ahead of time, you may have more time uh, for application. Uh, Also, I was tempted to say, make sure you focus on the application. And that's true. But let me say this. If you're not used to Bible study, I would say it's really important that you also start by focusing on context, observation, and meaning. Because if you don't know how to read the Bible correctly and interpret it correctly, your applications won't be correct. So don't just say, I remember he said application. Let's start through, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, here, what are you going to do? Hopefully we can do it all. But because I'm emphasizing application, don't just skip the others. Because just like in the Sunday sermon, if I just woke up, uh, opened the Bible and said, okay, I think we should all do this, but didn't tell you where I got that, you couldn't see how it was drawn out of there, then that'd be inappropriate. So try to balance it all, I guess is what I'm saying. I think there are advantages to doing live studies. By that I mean, we may, we may have read the text, but we haven't written down anything before we meet. I actually think there's some advantages of that. One is, this is not a teaching session requiring, he says, this is his quote, this is not a teaching session requiring detailed preparation and study, but an opportunity to simply feed from God's Word together. So it's not for us to sit down and one guy to pull out four pages of his notes and instruct us on what we didn't see from the text. There can be a benefit to discovering it together. Number two, both are starting at the same point. One is not more prepared. So I mentioned a less experienced person might feel more comfortable not having to think on their feet. On the other hand, uh, the less experienced person might also feel like, you know what, we're learning together. They're not more prepared. So they brought six pages of note, and I, I wrote like four words under each answer. Now I feel like, oh, man. There's none of that. We're just doing this together. So that could be an advantage. Um, I also think it may be a better means of training someone to study Scripture because a novice can see how the more experienced reader is drawing conclusions. So if you're a golfer in the room and you just get a video watching Tiger Woods swing a golf club, uh, and I'm picking him because he's best. No, he's not, uh, he's not at his best right now, obviously. But if you just watch him swing back and forth, you're not just going to watch him and go, okay, and walk out and do the exact same thing. You need him, or if, he doesn't have a, if he's not a good teacher, his teacher to teach you, here's how he did that. And if we all show up to a study, and I've got my four pages of notes, and I'm saying uh, this, that, and the other, and, and you have your one-page notes, or vice versa, you've got your four pages, and I've got one page, and I'm, I'm new to this, I'm going, wow. How did he get all that? I don't know, but he's got good answers. If we're doing it together, we're sort of discovering a little bit. Now, we may be doing it on our own, but there is a benefit to that. And here's the big point. Just know yourself, because the last point is, in reality, it may foster better attendance because no one skips because they didn't do their homework. Just keeping it real is what I said. Here's the reality. If your temptation is not to do your homework, and then you're going to say, I'm going to feel like a loser if the other two people did theirs and I didn't I just can't make it today if that's you then just come and do it live every week that would be way better let's just start where we are and if you say I don't think I'm probably going to set aside the time to do it then just show up and and find a study where you guys can agree to do it live that would be way better we just want let's do it somehow let's don't do it perfectly let's just do something getting together so if you say, no, I would probably like to do it ahead of time, and I think I'd be pretty faithful to that, then do, it, do the study ahead of time. There's advantages to both. 
Number seven, pray, read, and discuss with application in view. I've already made my point there. But the purpose of the one-to-one Bible reading for the Christian is growth as a follower of Christ. Seek to apply God's Word very specifically to your life. We believe one-to-one studies help us better train disciples who love Jesus, His church, and His world. We hope it'll help towards that. They aren't a replacement for our community groups, but they are an additional means to cultivate life-on-life relationships that ideally, they won't always, but ideally flow out of and back into the community group. So by that, I mean, this isn't a replacement for Sunday morning. We're not saying, I don't need to come hear God's word preached. I have a Bible study friend. And we're also not saying, hey, get a Bible study partner or two, and there's no need to be in a community group. We see those serving different functions, and we see this ideally kind of flowing out of the group. A couple of us are in the group, we're studying together, and we're flowing back into the group with tighter relationships, growing together in Christ, and that affects the whole group. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's kind of our our hope with this. And we're hoping really for a growth in our community at Grace Church. We're praying that this tool, this is a tool. There are a lot of ways to do Bible study. We're not saying this is the way. I'm not even saying this is the best way. I'm saying it's a simple way, uh, but it's not the best. I don't know. There may be a better way for you. We're just saying it is a tool. But it's a tool to help us grow as a community so that we fellowship around the scriptures and that becomes more common in our church culture. Here's the goal. We want in our church culture it to be more natural and more regular that, it, that we could read and study the Bible together uh, and that in our personal fellowship that we could talk about the Bible, that we're not just good at talking about what movie we saw or what sports team or our kids or our job um, or our vacation that's coming up. But yes, share all of that, all of life, absolutely. But we also want to be people who, part of being a part of the church is that we're engaging around the Word. And this sort of facilitates that in a very clear way. We want to see our families, our friendships, and listen to this because this is so key in the book, even our evangelism more and more characterized by discussion and application of God's Word. We believe these studies will help us grow in God's task of maturing and multiplying disciples through studying the Bible together. So we don't have any loft. I don't have the lofty five-year. I'm not laying out the five-year strategy of here's how we're doing this. We're introducing this now as a tool, and we'll see how it goes. It may be something that really takes off for you. This might become the way dads, you do a family devotion from now on. This might change what you do from now on. Uh, You may be trying to reach out to a neighbor, and after you do this with your friend, you may go, wow, I could do that. I could get a simple study like Mark, who is Jesus. I can do this. They're interested. They're asking about the Bible. Great. I give them chapter 8. Here's what we're going to do, and we start meeting. You could reach out to someone. You could disciple your teenager. Here's how I'm going to start covering something I'm going to do with my teenager. So it could be all, there's a lots of uses that this could, could increase. We're not primarily thinking about a program. We're primarily thinking about a culture in our church that highlights engagement around the Word, which we do in community group. Community group, we apply what we hear Sundays. This is a different study. This is something we're doing in addition to that and is more personal and perhaps even more intimate with regard to application because there's only two or three of us as opposed to Uh, 12 of us or whatever it may be. So I don't know what will happen in the future, but I'm hoping this tool will help us at least at this season of our lives cultivate a culture of interaction, of pointing people as disciples in Christ, as as friends, as uh, in in close close groups like this. But it certainly has the power to multiply and spin off in family and outreach and um, various ways that you might be helping someone else either come to know the Lord or a struggling believer grow in the Lord 
or um, I'm doing one with someone right now who's a leader in the church or a, a growing leader in the church, so I'm using this as a means of kind of helping a leader mature. So it can be done with anyone, and that's kind of the beauty of it. So, so what's the plan? How do I meet someone? This is what we're calling like a kind of a more organic thing. I gave you some, outli- you know, some outline, we're giving you a tool, but we're really just saying pray and run with it. You know, find someone, and and, uh, and maybe we'll put something up on the city for some testimonies, what people are learning and what they're doing. I, I, we didn't really have a good plan to how do we, uh, you know, how, how do we get updates on how everybody's doing, but maybe we need to ask one another and make that a topic in our small groups uh, as well. So uh, that is, I think, about 28 minutes or something like that. So we said we'd get you out of here in under 30. So I'm going to dismiss you at this point. I'm going to be around. Is, is Pete's here. Is, Bob is here. Is Rob here? Maybe he went to another meeting. Are you here, Rob? He's outside? Okay. We'll stick around. If you have some questions, uh, and Martin's done this. Who else has done this? Has anyone else done one of these right now, has some experience? We'll stick around and answer some questions if you have them, but I want to let you go because it's 1220. So God bless you. Let me pray. Lord, we pray that we would engage more and more around your word, a people of your word, learning, being amazed at who you are, Um, amazed by your grace and growing as disciples. Help us do that with our friends and, uh, and together with new people as well that we don't even know. Help us to grow together in your word for your glory. Make fellowship around uh, the scripture and transformation by the scripture more and more part of our culture as friends, as community groups, as families, as a whole church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.